Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and this is the first in a, a short series we're going to do highlighting the international work of Heartbeat International. So today we have uh, Life International with us, and I will start by introducing Jarell Godsey. He's the president of Heartbeat International, and we have a couple of guests here in the Heartbeat studio today. So uh, we'll get started with that, with introducing them. Thanks, Christine. Uh, with us is uh, Kurt Dillinger, who's the president, founder, and forever Life International person. That's how I got to meet him. And also with him is June Blanchin, who is the director of International Ministries. And it's a great privilege to host you here. I, Ellen Fell is our own international program specialist at Heartbeat, and we've just been catching up on some good things and grateful that we could pull them in for this quick podcast about uh, about this really this international effort. Now, one of the things... I learned from you, Kurt, and I. Uh, there are many things I le- I've learned, but one of them that I've learned and echoed is a the, really this very powerful way that you represent this. You you describe this as uh, the um, the international or global mission field created by abortion. Yes, and really, it's the father who has continued to teach us. I think Heartbeat International for many, many years has responded to that calling. And at Life International, we're trying to do the same. And the Father really does have a heart for this issue. And when we can understand his heart for this, then that compels us to move forward into the globe because he is a God of the nations. Mm -hmm. He cares about every single people group, every tribe, Mm -hmm. every nation. And uh, this is not a boring opportunity. We have tremendous <laughs> opportunity to get to know people, learn about their cultures, and then bring this life message into it. And uh, it's a joy for us to be here at Heartbeat International, just to be talking about how we can see the Father moving us together into this global mission field created by abortion. Which connects it to the, really to the Great Commission. Well, it's both the Great Commission, and also I quickly go to the very beginning of Acts, where it talks about um, you know, really representing in in Jerusalem, Judea, and and all the remotest parts of the earth, right? It's all of the above. Yeah, it. Absolutely, and I love the idea, the concept of building a strong home base, and that's what uh, Heartbeat International has done excellently, and and building a home base here in the U.S. Because when you have a strong home base, you have a much more effective outreach to the rest of the world. And I believe what God has given us here in the United States is deeply needed by the rest of the world. And what we offer um, is, I think, a a, a solution to so many issues out there as it relates to the value of human life and many, many different expressions. And so, uh, and then of course the gospel, which is uh, the life giver is the Lord Jesus. And as we are called to be imitators of him, how do we do that effectively as we go into every single nation? And uh, to me, it's it's exciting. You know, it's also an honor to have the Father call us to join him in this redemptive work around the world. It's an amazing opportunity. And so we invite all of the listeners who are thinking about this to consider what is the Father saying to you, first and foremost? Do you really understand his heart for this issue? And then from that place, start um, following him as he leads you into these different opportunities around the world. When you're calling, really, to to evaluate where can I go and proclaim this message. Now, most of the people that are listening to this podcast really have felt that call. They felt it locally. They felt it in their own community because they know that the need is there. 
But when we start really looking beyond our community, we know the need is not just in the neighboring communities, but it's around the globe. And we know that this is an issue that is uh, all across the world. And yet, when we get to... Um, get to the opportunity to be in those other other communities that are far from our own. We, we get different cultures. We get different concepts. We get a different uh, a variety of even approaches to this. And I know, I know June, you've had an adventure. You were in South Africa for many years and as well as uh, working now with Life International and many other places and have been all over. And uh, you've run into this dynamic of how it happens and how this issue for plays out not just for the gospel but for that local culture or community. Yes, yes, indeed. And with COVID, so many changes were happening so quickly. And um, while we in the USA saw things happening one way within different countries and cultures, it was unraveling in different ways. And, and being able to encourage and empower um, them to not only see uh, what was happening in their countries and their cultures, but being able to respond as well in confidence. Yeah. And you saw that uh, both as a, as a ministry leader in your own right while in South Africa, but now with your role at Life International, you've been to have the adventure of traveling uh, yes. into many different nations and uh, run into different adventures regarding COVID and travel, which weren't around as uh, obviously before all of that happened, mm -hmm. but have really, it was difficult before and it's, it's sometimes it feels darn near impossible mm -hmm. uh, to get it done. And yet you continue to kind of forge ahead and look for those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. You know, when, when I lived overseas, one thing that we've learned in missions is that we need to be flexible. And as we travel, uh, flexibility is really important. You know, we make a plan, but um, truly we need to go with open hands in all things. And some of our trips that we've gone overseas, and even recently, we expected it to be a 10-day trip that ends up being 18 days, <laughs> you know, and, and knowing that even in those changes in the midst of it, God's in control and He has a plan. Um, when that happened in Liberia, our stay was delayed quite a, a bit. We saw the relationships that we had in Liberia cement in unique ways that have continued. Even today, I'm getting text messages from them, and we just saw a team, um, sent a team from there into Nigeria. And I don't know that that would have happened if we hadn't had that unexpected delay due to COVID. Yeah, so I, I add just a, maybe a comment sure. to that, that when we've learned, haven't we, June, that we have to prepare teams ahead of time. Yes. Do not plan on that 10-day trip that you think this is going to be. Mm -hmm. It's better for you if you have need for medication or whatever. Plan a month yes. because we are expecting now to be delayed. Uh, mm -hmm. many of these, it's happened so many times for us. And so we're thinking differently procedurally mm -hmm. of how to prepare for these journeys that we're on. Yeah, even bringing our family members in. Sorry, Joel. But even um, in preparation for the trip, we now bring in our family members so that everybody understands that this trip looks like it's going to be this long, but it could potentially be that long. And, and that's important for the family members so that they really mm -hmm. understand what, what is yeah. being asked of them as well. Because sometimes yes. the 
the missionary that's on the field can, can see and understand the vagueness and ambiguity that they're facing into, but it's harder to see that from thousands of miles away and understand, well, what, there's a plane leaving. Why aren't you on it? Yes. Uh, but then particularly when we're dealing with government situations. Mm-hmm. A, a, a good friend of mine says uh, uh, there should be another beatitude. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. <laughs> uh, and, that's and, true. Yeah, so that, that is certainly an applicable uh, dynamic to take t- with us on mission mm-hmm. field. Yes. Yeah, without question. And there's so many other things we could talk about with this particular, mm-hmm. you know, preparation of, of, of expecting the unexpected because every one of the nations has a different approach to COVID. Mm-hmm. You think there's some standardization out there? Um, and it's, it is wide range, much bigger than what you think. And it's really, you should know ahead of time what that healthcare system is doing in that country before you go so that you have a good understanding of what might happen if indeed you test positive and what to expect. And sometimes those healthcare systems are not really organized or they're broken. Um, there's just a variety of things to, to consider as you, you look into each nation that you might be considering going into. And I want to come back to like the mission field uh, created by abortion because the culture's uh, that are served, and these are cultures uh, that are are big big cultures that en- encompass a, a, an entire country or region, and then also small cultures that are maybe like e- we have this even in the U.S. You know, we have the Southern culture, we have the New England culture. I'm not sure what culture we have, but in California, but there is one, right? So uh, you, we have all of this happen, and this reality of abortion it, it touches into all of these cultures in in sometimes very very different ways than it does mm-hmm. to even a neighboring culture and. No. I, I know that you have, uh, at Life International, you have taken the map and you divide it up into 10 regions, puts countries and, and, and into areas that then make it an opportunity kind of to serve and to kind of call out the leadership for those areas uh, related to this issue. But that those are very different dynamics when you're dealing, for instance, in Central Asia or you're in uh, Oceania and you're, or you're in Latin America. And so can you speak to some of those differences as to the culture of life or lack thereof that you find in those areas? Well, that's a huge subject, Jarrell. <laughs> you know, we only have 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the devaluing of human life and all the different ways that that's being um, expressed and around the world, it's, uh, we're always being surprised by that. Um, but that, that's a question that you really ask of those of those uh, that, gather, that you <clears throat> gather together. You really start there, is that right? You ask them that question. Which, That's our which beginning is, point, where we would gather a group of leaders together from a region, and that might be two or three or maybe sometimes um, a half a dozen countries that come together for a meeting. And so we identify clearly what is the sanctity of human life, and then we talk about what are the violations of the sanctity of human life in your region. And they're the ones that define those mm-hmm. things. They clarify those things, and that's where we are learning a ton about them. And then, you know, what's being done about that? What's not being done about that? What would they like to have done about that? And then do they want help? Would they like someone to come alongside them? And so we're not going into a country blind on this. We have a good understanding before we go into the country, what are the needs as they have defined them? And then can we actually come alongside and and help them with those things? And those, the way that the human life is being devalued around the world takes on different expressions in different regions of the globe. And uh, some underdeveloped countries have a whole different way of 
expressing that than maybe some of the developed world. And it gets more sophisticated in some parts of the world. And so we have to always be students learning what is happening. And anybody who's considering going overseas into a country, I would hope would have the attitude of being a student, be a learner, first and foremost. Because we might want to, we might think we come in with all the answers, but you're going to be surprised. And so uh, there are very, very smart, brilliant people around the world who just need some partnership, just need someone to come alongside them. And together we can find a way to address these issues. And that's actually a very, uh, for me, a fun process uh, just to learn how to work together and to express these things together. So you walk with this uh, principle of life, uh, of the sanctity of life, but really what you're learning is kind of the practical application or the practical ab abuses that are happening in those areas from those people that are on the ground because it, it manifests differently based upon their governments, upon some of their heritage, their legacy, things that come, you know, I, I, I've seen some evidence in my travels of, of that being different than what we experience in the U.S. in particular. Yeah. Um, so in June, you, you've been working with leaders now all around the globe. Uh, what, are some, what is something that has surprised you? I think in regards to abortion, one of the biggest things that surprised me is um, the lack of awareness that it's even happening in some areas, some countries, and the ease of getting it even in areas that are that abortion is illegal. So if you go on the web, you can even in countries where abortion is illegal um, access abortion pills. Um, pastors, many leaders, <clears throat> mostly the men, believe that abortion isn't an issue. Yet if you go to the women, you know that they have what they might call muti, their own medicine to take care of things, to keep people happy. And so there's so many things happening underground that when awareness is brought up and truth is brought to light, it is just amazing to see the transformation that happens and the unity that it brings amongst husbands and wives, amongst church members, amongst, amongst everybody. And you're primarily talking to uh, believers or pastors or yes. shepherds or uh, missionaries. So you're talking to people uh, who have a deep, deep faith in Christ to begin with. Correct. And it's among them that you find that this like lack of knowledge or lack of awareness mm -hmm. of how impacting abortion is in their own culture. Is that, is that, is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, I remember talking to some church leaders in Africa, and they did not understand that anything was wrong with that. And they said, well, our government says that we can have an abortion, and so they wouldn't allow us to do something that would be harmful or hurtful to us, would they? And so they, they completely embraced what the government, the culture, the tradition said, thinking that that was in alignment with Scripture, because no one had ever shown them truth through that. And that's one thing that you guys bring in, really, is that yes. uh, sanctity of life value to the church, to those that are leading either church plants or uh, part of a church network that's in that, cult in that culture or community. And then you work particularly with pastors, is that correct? That's our primary. That's okay. our starting point, and it's really our, we're very intentional to try to reach the shepherds around the world um, and help them line their hearts up with the Father's heart for life. And when that occurs, oh, many of these um, realities um, come into play into focus for them at that point. And then they start hearing um, from the Father how they can address those issues effectively in their 
their sphere of influence. Um, and so we found this to be a great need around the globe. Uh, pastors around, evangelical pastors, uh, priests around the world, it, it, we've discovered that they actually have been part of this without realizing it. Part of this what? Um, of the um, mission field created by abortion mm. and uh, in many different ways. And, uh, and then some are just ignoring it, you know, and uh, then when they discover the Father's heart for this, then they are compelled to move forward because as an under-shepherd, they are understanding, this is my Father's heart. I need to line up with that. And then, and then out of that motivation, you know, start to bring the message of life to their area of influence. It's not just a message message to to them. It's really a, a way of embracing the work of the gospel in their own church. We were talking earlier about sometimes uh, in a, in these cultures, the culture of shame. Uh, there's a, a the the potential for maybe someone who is inadvertently pregnant out of wedlock that they get shunned or or set aside. And of course, that's a reaction to uh, like a disciplinary mindset towards the evil of sin or sinful action. But that's not the father's heart. And that, that's one of the one of the messages that you carry into these cultures. It can transform a whole uh, community when you start to express the father's heart towards those who have been shunned, those who become a reason for shame uh, for a family system or for a church. Um, and it also, interestingly enough, it, it ripples into other, other pieces of uh, dehumanization, which would be maybe that disabled person that has brought a lot of shame to a family, and so they put them in the back closet and they never are exposed mm -hmm. to the rest of the community. How does the father love that person? And should the, the church love that person? So it starts with that preborn person, and, and that, that's our, our main target, helping understand the value of human life there. But then there is this ripple effect, too, on valuing human life in many other ways. So we see that really, um, well, so, someone, someone has said pregnancy is not a sin. It's a, bio, it's a bio, biological reality, and it, frankly, it's, a, it's a, something that the father himself has given us is that ability. Of course, what it took to get pregnant could easily have been the result of sin or sinful activity. And so that's why it's important for the church really to rise up and understand mm -hmm. the difference and the mm -hmm. father's heart about that. And that's the whole concept of this is a unique human being, and we need to embrace that, that gift that God has given. Yeah. You know, when the church reflects that father's heart for life, when it it embraces people and allows them to walk through the forgiveness, the healing, the restoration, the redemption. That girl and that boy that fell pregnant outside of marriage, you know, I've seen churches transform in incredible ways because everybody's drawn to that because it's unusual to be um, handed forgiveness to be able to allow to be um, redeemed and restored uh, in the face of shame or dishonor is a, is a beautiful thing, and only only God does that. 
And yeah, we've seen churches just explode because of that, because they started walking these truths. Explode in a positive way. Right? In a positive way. <laughs> they come Absolutely. alive. Absolutely. They, they come alive. They grow. Like the light bulb goes on. Everybody Ooh. wants to be there because who doesn't want to be forgiven and set free and loved? Which is ultimately the connection between sanctity of life, the pregnancy help movement, and the transformation of cultures around the world, mm -hmm. seeing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I love the way you said that. <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly right. Well, unfortunately, the uh, the other side of this issue is working uh, as hard, if not harder in many ways, to uh, continue to degrade uh, really the sanctity of life and in favor of either ideology or profiteering or all of the above or just, the frankly, echoing the the sin of the enemy of our souls. Um, and, and this is happening all over all over the world. It's happening many times with the help of the government or even the work of the government. Uh, but it's also happening with uh, companies. And we know uh, chemical abortion has been something that's been rising. I know across Europe, which is considered, you know, th those are so-called developed countries. And yet, I, you know, we, in our own exposure to chemical abortion being a reality, a rising reality in the U.S., I, I did a quick look at the at the European numbers. And while we are are staggered by the fact that 54, 54% of of the abortions in 2020, this is Guttmacher's own, own information, 54% were chemical abortions in 2020. But in places like um, in uh, Denmark, in Sweden, in Switzerland, you know, the, these are in the Scandinavian countries in particular, they have uh, percentages of chemical abortions as high as 90%. Uh, where you, and that's partly due because they've actually controlled the number of abortions to be under 12 weeks or under 14 weeks. They, they've, they've kind of kept that low, but they're advancing chemical abortion in a big way. And that now is really pushing into our own country here in the U.S. and, and in places where it wasn't as common before, like you said earlier, June, where the where the abortions aren't necessarily legal, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're not happening. Right. Yes. June, you just had, uh, while well, you were in South Africa, and you probably observed how uh, people were obtaining access, you know, mm -hmm. to abortion just through the pharmacies. Um, we're seeing that grow rapidly around the globe in areas of the world we wouldn't expect it as much, but it's throughout Africa mm -hmm. and probably Oceania, uh, Europe, of course. Um, I'm not quite as familiar with this in Latin America, but I suspect it's growing rapidly there. Sure, in Latin America, there you know we still have um, major countries that for which abortion is illegal. Uh, but it's also happening at a yeah. significant rate because mostly the abortion, <clears throat> the abortion industry operates without any kind of enforcement against it. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, you know, and and yet at the same time, there are whole countries now that are moving and opening up for abortion. Argentina, in particular, uh, is following. Mexico now has expanded it even further. So, unfortunately, these traditional. Of course, we lost Ireland uh, mm -hmm. a few years ago. They had their Roe v. Wade moment in 2018. Um, where they, and that wasn't really a Roe v. Wade moment because it wasn't the courts. They actually voted right. voted for that. And so we, we see that where uh, abortion has been um, made illegal or kept illegal, still it's still happening. And then, of course, the it's moving in the other direction. Whereas in the U.S., we're excited about what may happen here in a, in a short amount of time mm -hmm. relative to Dobbs. And uh, we hope that that will be a, not just a good thing for the 
U.S. Um, effort, uh, pro-life effort or sanctity of life effort or pregnancy help effort, but it'll also be a witness to other nations that, uh, that can often be influenced by the U.S. You know, what I love about that, Jarrell, is that we have an opportunity in the U.S. to have that ripple effect. And it, it, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, what occurs here um, has that ripple effect. And it definitely gives hope when we're able to talk to people in other parts of the world who have minimal resources, I mean minimal, very little, if anything, and we can describe to them what Heartbeat is doing or what centers are looking like in the United States and what's actually being done, they can hardly believe it, but they're encouraged and it gives them vision of what could happen. And so there is this uh, dynamic globally that what happens here will have some kind of impact just around the world in many different ways. And uh, basically to give hope that there can be change. And uh, that's what's exciting about this because um, for me anyway, I'm glad it's happening in the United States. I'm glad that it's moving forward. I'm thanking the Lord for it, but I'm seeing that it's going to have an impact globally. I think that the, the beauty of the collaboration of Life International, Heartbeat International, is it's, it is the both and. It is the seeing transformation of cultures, nations, the teaching of sanctity of life, the presence of the pregnancy help movement around the world. It is not an either or. Hmm. It, it truly is the both and. Yes, yes. Yeah, I love that. And so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Helen, it's so good to hear that because I think the Father is forming something uh, that we all can be part of, and that's the beauty. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We will continue to highlight the international pregnancy help work happening, so be sure to subscribe for more episodes. And uh, with that, I wish you a great rest of your day, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.